It's the most dreaded question on a job interview. And when it comes, many of us can hardly push out an answer from our mouths. Tell me, the interviewer asks, what is your greatest weakness? How do we answer that question? I hate that question. How about you? I mean, if you don't come up with something, then you look really arrogant. But if you come clean with your real weakness, like I, I tend to steal office supplies or pocket petty cash, they probably won't hire you. Career counselors offer various strategies for answering this question. One way is to disguise your weakness as a strength. For example, you might say, I'm such a perfectionist that I sometimes expect too much of myself and other people. Or you might say, I tend to be a workaholic. Another strategy is to minimize your weakness by explaining how you have already overcome it. You might say, you know, I can be very t a very task-oriented person, but I've learned that working with teams of people is the most effective way to accomplish a goal. A third strategy is to share a real weakness, but to make sure it's completely irrelevant to the position you're applying for. If you're applying for an accounting job, for example, you don't want to admit that you really aren't a detail person. So instead, you might say, I tend to get really loud and intense while cheering for the Steelers. For most of us, revealing a weakness is one of the last things we want to do. Whether we're looking for a job or trying uh, to get a relationship going or just talking to our friends. If you're like me, we don't like to admit our weaknesses to ourselves, uh, let alone to other people. I mean, if you are single and you're on a dating site trying to find a mate, you would probably not lead with neurotic, out-of-shape slacker looking for a relationship that will last longer than my last four marriages. For most of us, weakness is bad. It's to be avoided at all costs. Strength is good. Strength is something we all want which explains why most of us do everything to avoid or overcome or conceal our weaknesses. They make us feel vulnerable. They frighten us. And as a result, we might come up with all kinds of strategies to try to protect ourselves from our weaknesses and from the vulnerability we feel. We try to control our lives. We hide our true thoughts and feelings for fear of getting hurt. We do anything we can to avoid or overcome being weak or vulnerable in any way, shape, or form. But Jesus seems to view weakness in a different way. Our word for today comes from the writings of Paul to the church in Corinth. It's in the second letter that he wrote to this church. And before we read it, let me give you a little background. The church in Corinth was under attack from leaders that, according to Paul, think they're better than everyone else or think that they have a deeper spiritual knowledge. These super apostles claim that they were better speakers than anyone else. They claim that they have had supernatural visions and they have supernatural power. And apparently these super apostles were leading some Christ followers astray uh, from 
sincere and pure devotion to Christ. They were building themselves up. They were boasting about themselves. And they were preaching what, according to Paul, was a Jesus that was different than what Paul preached. He says such people are false apostles. They're deceitful workers. They're masquerading as apostles of Christ. They were full of themselves, trying to make people followers of them rather than followers of Jesus. And what Paul is telling them is that if anyone is going to boast, if anyone's going to brag about anything, it should be boasting about what God has done, not boasting about ourselves. As an example, Paul describes this remarkable experience he had 14 years before in which he was caught up into what he calls the third heaven and given insight into all sorts of spiritual realities. Now he doesn't give many details about that vision or about that experience. But look at what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll start with verse 7. So that I would not become too proud of the wonderful things that were shown to me, a painful physical problem was given to me. This problem was a messenger from Satan sent to beat me and keep me from being too proud. I begged the Lord three times to take this problem away from me, but he said to me, my grace is enough for you. When you are weak, my power is made perfect in you. So I am very happy to brag about my weakness. Then the power of Christ can live in me. For this reason, I am happy when I have weaknesses, insults, hard times, suffering, and all kinds of trouble for Christ. Because when I am weak, then I am truly strong. This translation indicates that it was a painful physical problem and many scholars agree with that, but the actual translation of the wording in the passage is that Paul had a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh. Now, there's been tons of speculation about what Paul means by thorn in the flesh. The word translated as thorn could be as accurately translated as stake or spear. The word was used to describe the sharp instrument that causes pain lodged deeply and that it was difficult to remove. So Paul's thorn in the, in the flesh was more than just a mere minor annoyance. It wasn't just a pain in the neck. Rather, it was some sort of chronic pain. It was some sort of anguish in his life. Some people have suggested that it might have been a spiritual weakness, a, a nagging temptation that he suffered with. Others suggest it was emotional vulnerability, such as depression or anxiety. Or it could have been epilepsy or poor eyesight or migraines or a speech impediment or a stomach disorder or whatever. Or perhaps... It was an actual thorn embedded deep in his flesh that they couldn't remove that caused him lots of pain at different times. We really don't know what it was, but it seems to have been something very painful and very challenging. 
No wonder, he says, that he pleaded with the Lord to take it away, not once, but three times. Now, most of us would do the same thing, except I wouldn't stop it three times. I'm pretty sure I would have kept on praying and pleading and praying some more. But in the middle of these verses, while he's talking about uh, this thorn in the flesh, we find the words from Jesus that we want to focus on today. Jesus says, when you are weak, my power is made perfect in you. And again, his words seem strange to us because we have taught that strength is power and power is strength. So in the time we have left, let's explore the passage. Let's see if we can understand why those words may be Jesus' words to us today, just as they were words to Paul. First, the passage teaches us we can pray about our pain. We can pray about our pain. Paul says he prayed three times for the Lord to take away whatever this problem was. And Jesus prayed a similar prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was arrested. He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Yet even with the clear example of Jesus and Paul praying for God to rescue them from pain, many Christians often feel that they just can't or shouldn't pray about their own problems. So let's just be clear. The clear teaching of Scripture is not only can you, but God wants you to pray about your own problems and your own needs. If you're sick, it's legitimate to ask God to heal you. If you're having difficulty at work or someone you care about has hurt your feelings or your kids seem to hate you, it's okay to ask God to help you, to ask him to solve that problem for you. You can pray to God about absolutely anything. And especially when something is painful and hurtful in your life, you might as well talk to Jesus about it. He already knows what's going on. He knows it is dominating your thoughts and causing you pain. So pray about it. And notice, Paul didn't just casually pray. He begged the Lord to take away this thorn in his flesh. He begged the Lord to take away this weakness that he had. And we all have them. We all have weaknesses. We have thorns in the flesh, don't we? I have lots of them. What is your thorn in the flesh? What personal weakness or vulnerability causes you pain and threatens your ability to serve Christ freely and effectively. Maybe it's something obvious. Maybe it's something no one would ever guess. It could be something that you've lived with for a long time, or it could be something that happened to you just recently. Some thorns are mo more painful, more debilitating than others, but we all deal with something. So, what should you be begging God to do in your life? What pain do you need him to take away? You can pray about your pain. Second, the passage teaches us Jesus might not remove our pain. Jesus might not remove our pain. Yeah, 
This is my least favorite lesson that the passage teaches us, but it is a clear teaching of the passage. Look back at the verses. Start with verse 7 again. It says, So that I would not become too proud of the wonderful things that were shown to me. A painful physical problem was given to me. This problem was a messenger from Satan sent to beat me and keep me from being too proud. I begged the Lord three times to take this problem away from me. But he said to me, my grace is enough for you. Stop right there. So three times Paul begs for this pain to be removed. And then he hears a clear answer from Jesus. Not the answer he's seeking, but an answer nonetheless. He hears Jesus say something really important. Jesus says, my grace is enough for you. Now, that's a hard message for American Christians because we think one of the main things that God wants to do for us is take away our pain. But a pain-free life has never been God's priority for you or for me. A pain-free life has never been his priority. God is more concerned about taking away my sin than taking away my pain. He is far more concerned with my holiness than he is with my happiness. And sometimes pain helps me turn away from my sin and turn towards God. Many of us don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. And what Jesus says to Paul is significant. He basically says, yeah, I could do that. I could do a miracle and take away your pain. But this time, what I've already done for you is enough. When God has said no to some important prayers in my life, I try to remember this passage of Scripture. It isn't God cheating me. It isn't God being mean to me. He is saying, Steve, I know you think it would be good and awesome and that I would be a good and awesome God if I did that miracle of healing, if I saved you that pain. But this time, I think I will just say, my grace is enough. The undeserved kindness of me forgiving your sins and taking you to heaven for all eternity when you have earned a place in hell because of your sin, that'll be enough this time. In other words, Jesus can still be good and loving and faithful and not remove my pain. There's one more clear lesson from the passage. Jesus sometimes uses pain for his purposes. Jesus sometimes uses pain for his purposes. The whole passage seems to teach this lesson. Look again at verse 7. It says this, So that I would not become too proud of the wonderful things that were shown to me, a painful physical problem was given to me. The problem was a messenger from Satan sent to beat me and to keep me from being too proud. Now notice, clearly Paul says the painful problem wasn't something God inflicted on him. 
It wasn't something God inflicted. It was a messenger of Satan sent to defeat him. But he says clearly that Jesus was going to use that painful situation to keep him from being boastful, to keep him from being proud. Now look again at verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is enough for you. When you are weak, my power is made perfect in you. So I am very happy to brag about my weaknesses. Then Christ's power can live in me. Pretty clearly, the passage says that Jesus will use painful situations to help us grow. To help us become more of the people that he wants us to be. To build spiritual character into our lives. And the words of Jesus for us today are really hard to embrace. When you are weak, my power is made perfect in you. How in the world is Jesus' power made perfect in me when I'm weak? Let me give you a couple of ideas. First, when I am weak, I'm forced to depend on God's strength. When I am weak, I'm forced to depend on his strength. Paul says that when he brags about his weakness, Christ's power can live in him. Remember, the false teachers that he's writing about are writing about their skill. They're writing about how competent they are. They're saying that they can preach better and they can lead better and they can understand Jesus better. They're saying that people ought to ignore Paul, that they ought to ignore the other uh, apostles and teachers and they ought to follow them. And too often we focus on our own skill. We think that we got where we are in our job because of our education or our training or our experience or our hard work. And that happens to Christians too. They think what they do for Jesus is because they've worked hard or they have certain skills and abilities. I give God vacations sometimes. I have something that I need to do for God, a, a confrontation or uh, preparing a message or uh, preaching a message or some meeting, and, and I should pray. I should ask for his help, but I think, you know what? I've done it before. I can handle it. It's like I say, God, you know, I've got this covered. You just sit back. You just relax. You take a vacation, and I just try to use my own skills and my own abilities, and I fail every time. I fail every time. The arrogance of thinking our skill is the reason that we are succeeding at work or in service for Jesus is the problem that Jesus was worried about when he let Paul keep suffering, and it can be a problem for you and I today. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God, that all of our success comes from him. Look at what the Apostle Paul wrote earlier in this same letter to these same people. In chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, he says, We can say this because through Christ we feel sure before God. I don't mean that we are able to do anything good ourselves. It is God who makes us able to do all that we do. It is always God who makes us able to do all that we do. 
And when I realize my weakness, I know I need him. And I depend on him. I'm forced to depend on his strength. Another way Jesus' power is made perfect in me is when I am weak, Jesus receives the credit. Jesus receives the credit. The passage is clear. When we are weak, it is Jesus that they see, his power that they see, not ours. Jesus should always get the credit. Years ago, I was in a seminar and um, a famous pastor told a story. He told a story about trying to write a weekly article that he wrote. It was in a magazine. He, he said at that time he was copywriting every sermon, copywriting every uh, thing that he wrote. And he was writing this article for uh, a magazine and he wrote it every week. But for some reason this week he just couldn't come up with an article. He, he said he had wadded up and thrown away several papers that was before the age of computer. That he had started several times and he had been working on it for hours. And he said, finally, he said, you know, Jesus, will you help me write this article? And he said it was like he heard the voice of Jesus say, well, if you're going to copyright it, you can think of it yourself. I think many, many times we don't give Jesus credit. Let me just be clear. Everything good that's happened here at Impact is Jesus. Jesus gets the credit. It isn't our strategy. It isn't our skill. And it certainly isn't our pastor or our staff. We are weak. And he is strong. And every good thing that has happened here at Impact for the last 50 years. And everything that will happen in the next 50 years here at Impact. Is because Jesus took weak and sinful people. And used them to accomplish his purpose in this community. We're almost out of time. So let's look at the last verse of our passage. Verse 10 says this. For this reason I am happy. When I have weaknesses. Insults. Hard times. Suffering. And all kinds of troubles for Christ. Because when I am weak. Then I am truly strong. Look at it again. For this reason I am happy. When I have weaknesses and insults and hard times and suffering and all kinds of trouble for Christ. I got to tell you, this time of virus has been really hard. I think many of us have experienced all of those things that he just mentioned. Weakness and insults and hard times and suffering and all kinds of trouble. And I guess I should tell you, I'm not quite there yet. He says, I'm happy when I have these things. And I'm not sure I am yet. But why was he happy? He tells us. It falls after the word because. Because when I am weak, then I am truly strong. When I am weak, then I am truly strong. My friends, when we are weak, we gain Jesus' strength. And then because of his strength, we are truly strong. So I want to confess to you. I feel pretty weak some days. I want to lead well during this global pandemic and I've never traveled this road before and it seems no matter what we do, it's wrong in somebody's eyes. I mean, some seem to be just overcome with anger and with theories about 
freedom and conspiracies and and I want to soothe them. I want to help them and I want to minister to them and some seem overcome by fear, just really fearful and I want to help them and I want to reassure them and I want to give them faith and leading the staff and dealing with insufficient financial giving and uh, trying to find and hire the right people to replace staff members who have left and just trying to figure out how to plan for the future. It's all been hard and I'm weak and I need Jesus to help us and to help me and to help our church. And all of us are in a similar place with our families, aren't we? I mean, we're doing our best, but we're worried about our kids and our grandkids and how this is affecting their education. And we're worried about our jobs and our finances and the election. And this pandemic has strained many marriage relationships and many other family relationships. And you know what we all need? We need to admit that we're weak. To brag about our weaknesses so that Jesus' power can live in us because we are weak but he isn't he is strong we don't know what to do but he does and he says when you are weak my power is made perfect in you my friends Jesus wants to show his perfect power in us and through us so let's pray Let's just confess to him how much we need him. Let's pray together. Jesus, right now we pause not to give you our list of what we want you to do. We we will do that, and we're thankful that we can. But we pause right now just to say we're so weak. We're weary, we're tired, and we need you. We depend on you. We're asking you, Father, to let your power work in us and through us. We want to depend on you, not on ourselves. We want to find your solutions, your answers, your heart, your love, your strength. Jesus, we want to let you love us, and then we want to let you love other people through us. When people see what we do, we want them to recognize that we belong to you, that it's your strength, that it's your power working in us and through us. Oh, we'd love for you to take away all our pain for you to just do a miracle and end every painful thing in our life. But if you choose to use our pain for your purposes, help us, Father, to grow, to become the women and men that you want us to be. Help us to become like Jesus. And, Father, we want his power to be perfected in us. And so, Father, as weak people, we come to you, trusting you, depending on you, asking you to work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.